1 Peter 4, 7-11, God's Word says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, he was asked this question. What is more important, prayer or reading the Bible? To which he answered, what is more important, breathing in or breathing out? <laughs> breathing in or breathing out? We, we may analyze the order of the means of grace that we've covered. We covered uh, the fellowship of believers. We talked about the Word of God. And this week we're talking about prayer. We may try to prioritize those in our life. But they are all means of grace that God has given us to grow spiritually. There's not one that's prime over the other. They work together to grow the Christian, to sanctify the Christian, to grow us in Christ-likeness. We end today with prayer. Within Peter's address, which we've utilized as our basis for the entirety of this series, he notes this at the beginning of verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. This is an important statement. Because it brings about the question, where are we at in redemptive history? Where are we at in in God's timeline? A quick snapshot, based off of the Word of God, where are we at in God's redemptive timeline? We know in the beginning, in Genesis 1, that God has created. God has created everything, and therefore He is sovereign over all. But humanity, Adam and Eve, under the deception of Satan, they sinned against God, they disobeyed God, and that sin has infected all of humanity, all of mankind. We are born into what we would call original sin. But God in His redemptive plan gave of Himself, He gave Himself in the form of God taking on flesh in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came, and He lived the perfect life. He fully obeyed the law of God. He was obedient to the will of God, obedient to the point that He gave up His life on the cross, shedding His blood. But He didn't stay dead. He raised from the dead on the third day, defeating death in the grave, and has ascended to heaven, where He is ruling and reigning. This is where we are at within the redemptive timeline. That Jesus has ascended and that Jesus is restoring things as we speak. You see, the last step is restoration, which has gone on, is going on, and is going to be consummated upon the return of Christ, which is good news. It's incredibly good news, as this last week many of us were despaired as we watched two men that are supposedly qualified for an office to lead one of the greatest nations in the world, yell at each other for, I don't know, I turned it off after an hour. 
And I know that many of us were despaired because a lot of us took to social media and were like, this is disgusting. But here's the good news. Our hope doesn't rest in two men. Our hope rests in a king who has already defeated death, who has already won the victory at the cross, and is ruling right now. That's the good news. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to be afraid of come early November. We can place our full confidence in Jesus Christ. And church, we are taking part. We have been commissioned to partner with God, to partner through the power of Christ to help bring about the restoration of all things. God works through His church. We're not just sitting and waiting for God to act. God has called us to act. That's why He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We ourselves are being transformed by the power of the gospel. It's the reason why this church, each and every week, will preach about Jesus Christ. We'll preach about the work of Christ because it is only through the power of the gospel that we are transformed, that we are changed, and we are charged to go out and change the world. We can do that through the power of God. Not for our glory, but for His glory, honor, and praise alone. We may look at redemptive history and try to align biblical prophecy with current events and search for signs and wonders that point to the soon return of Jesus. Here's the question. Have the last days been ushered in over the last six months as we've been under turmoil and pain? The answer is yes. And it's not just because of the last six months. The end times were ushered in when Jesus ascended to heaven. We've been in the end times for 2,000 years. It's why Peter could say the end of all things is what? At hand. It's been going on for 2,000 years. The church has been waiting expectantly for Christ to return. And we continue to wait expectantly that He will come. And that He will consummate and that He will make all things new. That's the hope that we have. This isn't the end of the story right now. The end of the story is Jesus' victory, which has already been won at the cross and assured at the cross. And so we live in light of the same expectation. Always ready, always working, always growing, always transforming. Peter gives this warning in this passage as he introduces prayer. He says, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Uh, we can look at something like that and we automatically think of what? Drunkenness, right? Alcohol, which I think this pertains to, but I think the larger thing is that we are clear on where we are at in time. We are not a people, Christian, who are sitting and just waiting for Jesus to come, navel-gazing and doing nothing. Oh Lord, come. Oh Lord, come. Oh Lord, come. No, we pray. We hit our knees and pray, and then we are acting. We are acting out and being transformed by our faith. Too many of us want to withdraw from the big bad world when Jesus and Christ has called us to invade it, to invade the dark spaces with the light of Christ. 
That's what it means to be self-controlled and sober-minded. Understand where we are at. Understand the victory that's already been won at the cross. And we charge out in light of that victory. Hear this. God has already won. That's the kind of power that we have. God has won. Nothing to fear. Be self-controlled and sober-minded. With this in mind, that God has won, how powerful should our prayers be? I know what the ending to the story is. Prayer is an incredible means of grace that God has granted us for spiritual growth. It brings us to our main idea this morning. Our main idea is this. Prayer is the means of our communication to God. God communicates to us what? Through His Word. We learn about God through His Word. We communicate to God through prayer. It's our fellowship with Him. How can we say we have a relationship with God if we don't talk to Him? Anytime in my years of ministry that I've done marital counseling in a struggling marriage, the main issue in that marriage is generally a lack of communication. And we can expect the same thing in our relationship with God, our fellowship with God, to be less than when we are not seeking to communicate with Him, to have fellowship with Him, to have a relationship with Him. And lastly, it's the atmosphere of our spiritual growth. Prayer is the air that we breathe in. It's why Paul would say this in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Three words simply, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. If Paul says this, how important is this? That we are in prayer constantly. Yes, we should hit our knees by the bedside each and every morning and as we go to bed, but as we go about through life, as we travel around, are you having conversations with God in what we see as just the mundane things in life? Am I having a conversation with God about that person I just walked past in the gas station? Now, I want you to hear this. I have no desire today, when we talk about prayer, oftentimes we can be guilt-laden as we think about our own prayer lives. I have no desire today to make you feel guilty, to condemn you, or to make you walk away feeling like you have the weight of the world on your back. Uh, over the past week of preparation, I have myself been in a spiritual battle preparing to preach on prayer. You don't think the enemy's been working overtime on me, right? I've been fighting against my own weakness and fragility, my own self-doubt and guilt as I look at my prayer life how dare I speak to the church about prayer? In light of this, I want to ask this question so we're all on the same page. Who can raise their hand stating boldly, I pray enough? Okay, good. We're all in the same place, right? So let's do this. Let's throw aside guilt. Let's raise our eyes to heaven. Let's hit our knees in prayer. Let's make prayer every part of our day from the time we leave driveway, praying for our neighbors, to the times where we drive under that underpass in Louisville where the homeless reside, to the workplace praying for our coworkers, to the classroom teachers praying for your students, to the university students praying for your professors. Professors. 
Pray without ceasing, Paul says. It's our communication with God, our fellowship with Him. Again, how can we say we want to know God and do His will if we don't bother talking to Him? Prayer is the atmosphere we live in, the air that we breathe. And it brings us to three main points we're going to highlight this morning. Three points. Number one, position and penitence. Position and penitence. Paul says this in Ephesians 2, 12 to 13. He's writing to a church that is primarily made up of of Gentiles, those that would have not have really known the, the covenants that God has made with Israel. And he says this to these Christians. These were Christians that he's speaking to. He's reminding them of the work of Christ. He says this, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And then there's a key word there, but... But, but now, that's where you were, but now, what? In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul is talking about position. He's talking about one's position in Christ. Apart from Christ, we have no knowledge of His redemptive work. We don't know God. We are spiritually dead, but He has raised us anew through the power of the Holy Spirit that we may know Christ, that we may place our faith and trust in His work, and our position is changed from one of death to one of life. We are alive in Christ. Our position has been changed from ones of being an enemy to now being called this, a son or daughter of the King. That is amazing. Why is prayer such a powerful tool for spiritual growth? Aside from the obvious communion that we have with God, we are reminded each and every time that we, we pray of our position in Christ. We should be reminded that we once were here and now we are here. Christian author Jerry Bridges is quoted as saying, Preach the gospel to yourself. Every day you wake, you should say, God, I was once here, I was once your enemy, and you've brought me into the family, and you've given me the family name, and you've given me the full inheritance of your kingdom. That's amazing. That's so amazing. If this was a Pentecostal church, you guys would have blown the roof off the place when I said that right there. Our prayer reminds us of this, continuing with, Jerry Bridges, he says this, quoting, To preach the gospel to yourself daily then means that you continually face up to your own sinfulness. Did you hear that? Your own sinfulness. I know in my prayers I have a tendency to focus on everybody else's sinfulness, but we need to focus on our own sinfulness. And then flee to Jesus so we don't stay there condemned and guilty. We run to Christ Because God views you as holy and righteous in His Son. That's amazing. 
run to Jesus, flee to Jesus through faith in His shed blood and righteous life, it means that you appropriate again by faith the fact that Jesus has done this. He's done this for you. He's fully satisfied the law of God. That is, He is your propitiation. What does propitiation mean? He has received, He carried the wrath of God. The full wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. It's why... The Roman guards shredded his body with a cat of nine tails and whipped him to within an inch of his life. And they had him drag a cross up to the hill that he was nailed to and he shed his blood. That is the wrath of God being poured out. And Jesus did that for you. He took the wrath that we deserved and we're not just covered now by his blood, but we are brought into right relationship with the Father. Propitiation is more than just atonement. It's more than just covering. It is this, that you are given the family name. God's favor is upon you, not because of anything that you have done, but because of the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. That God's holy wrath is no longer directed toward you. It means that you believe on the testimony of God. This is what the Word of God says about you, Christian, in Christ. It says in Romans 8, 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news. That's the position in which we come to God. It means that you believe, you believe these things, that you believe that Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for you. It means you believe He forgave you all your sins. You hear that? Guilt-ridden Christian, He forgave you all your sins. That a smile can be draped across your face. You don't have to carry that sin anymore. You don't have to regret that thing you did in the past because He carried all your sins and He has forgiven all your sins. And it means that He now presents you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. When you pray, you stand before the throne of God as a son or daughter, speaking to the Father who created all things. He's omnipotent, He's omniscient, and omnipresent. You have that position through faith in the work of Jesus. And therefore, our position should drive us to God with this. Our position drives us towards having a penitent heart. We're penitent for our shortcomings. Not guilty. Our guilt's been removed by Jesus, but we do have... When I commit sin, I'm sorry for that. God, I'm sorry I did that. I'm in a healthy way broken over my sin. That's what penitence means. Seeking forgiveness. Forgiveness that's already been given at the cross. Isn't that good news? Your sins, past, present, and future, they've already been forgiven at the cross. When we come and we repent to God, God's like, I already forgave that. So it drives the author of Psalm 66, verse 18, to say, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God listens because of your position in Christ. We're assured that God can hear 
your prayers. We begin with grateful hearts, remembering and reminding ourselves of our position before God through faith in Jesus. We repent of our sins, confessing them to Him. He already knows them, so just confess them. He sees what you have done. He sees the sin that you have in your heart. He sees the hatred that you have harbored towards someone. He sees when you have walked and you have looked upon a woman who is not your wife with lustful eyes and have therefore committed adultery. He sees when you're on the phone with your friend and you're gossiping and He has forgiven you of those things. Just confess them. Get them out. And we come to Him with this, point number two. Persistence and petition. Persistence in petition. God loves a persistent heart. It's why Jesus in Luke 18, he speaks of the parable of the persistent widow. We're just going to read uh, the first line as he introduces this parable. Luke 18.1 says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always what to pray and not lose heart. What is he saying? Be persistent. Persist in your prayer. Prayer grows us. It stirs God towards action in, a, in our persistent attitude. We come to God persistently, meaning we continue firmly with our prayers to God. And the, the qualifier says, in accordance with His will. I could pray every day, God, give me a million dollars, but nowhere in His Word does it say He promises that. We want to pray in accordance with the will of God. One uh, way I want to share about that with you is we had at my last church, a young lady was diagnosed with breast cancer while she was pregnant. And she became a follower of Christ in that time through suffering. God showed her her need for a Savior. She placed her faith and trust in Jesus and was coming to our church and went through all these treatments, was able to deliver a healthy child. Her breasts were removed. Her body was changed. Devastating things to a woman. But through that, God transformed her heart and gave her a heart of faith in Him. And her husband was in great unbelief. He's one of those guys... That if I'm honest, as we prayed for his salvation, it's one of those where I'm just like, I, don't, I mean, it's going to take a miracle. God is going to take a miracle for this guy to come and to know Christ. And the church prayed persistently for this man for years. And one day he darkened the door of the church and gave his life to Christ. God loves a persistent and desperate heart in accordance with his will, and we give him all the glory for that. We not only come persistently, but also with petitions. Church, we come with specific requests. We don't talk in broad categories. We ask for God to work in specific ways. According to His Word and His will. So our prayers should be at times filled with the Word of God. If you find yourself lacking the words, first, God's Word assures us that the Spirit 
In Romans 8, it tells us this. The Spirit takes our grumblings to God. So sometimes we don't have words. We just sit there in silence and the Spirit is interceding for us. But also, if you don't have words, God has given us words that we may be able to pray to Him. Pray through the Psalms. Pray through Proverbs. Look up Paul's prayers to the churches throughout the New Testament. Pray those things. Pray as Jesus prayed as you read through the Gospels. We come to God with specific requests in 1 John 5.14. God's Word says this, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. God hears you. Your prayers don't fall upon deaf ears. Our God is a loving Father, and He hears you. He hears your prayers. We come to Him with our petitions, our needs, and God desires to hear you. I'd say it brings God great joy when His children come to Him and talk to Him. I know it brings me great joy when I'm able to have a conversation with my teenager that doesn't really want to talk to me, and she tells me all about her day. God delights in talking with His children. I love this quote by Pastor Tim Keller. He gives us an amazing picture of our relationship with God. He says this, quoting, The only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. And then he says this, we have that kind of access. Did you hear that? The only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is that king's child. We have that kind of access to our Father. We don't have to be fearful. We come, close your eyes for a second, we come to His bedside and the comforter's hanging off the side and we're the small child tugging, Father, I'm thirsty. I'd like a glass of water, please. What parent would say no to that? And us as earthly fathers are are a sinful shadow of our heavenly father. How much more does he want to give you good gifts? That's what his word says. How much more does he want to give to you? His children. We ask for God. God, would you provide? God, would you heal? God, would you grow us spiritually? God, use this to bring yourself glory. Church, I want you to hear that part. As we pray for our members who are struggling with cancer and disease and hurt and sickness and pain, that we may first begin that prayer with this. God, we desire for you in this affliction, in this suffering, that you would bring yourself glory. That through this hurt and pain, God, that we would glorify you. And Lord, if it's your will that you would bring healing and we'll give you all the glory and honor and praise. God's word reminds us in James 4, simply, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Have you asked God in accordance with his will and in knowledge of his word, your petition? God delights to give his children good gifts. Have you been persistent? And why wouldn't we be persistent? Because we come to God in this way. It's our third point this morning. We come to God in power and praise. In power and praise. 
If we truly believe that God has done all that He has done in history, if we truly believe that out of nothing God created everything, I mean, I want you, church, to think about this for a second. This afternoon, as you go out and you eat in a restaurant and you order a nice double cheeseburger with bacon, extra spread, lettuce, tomato, you have all those tastes and flavors coming together, kind of hungry. Those flavors didn't exist before God. God created those. The color blue, God created that. The color red, God created that. Out of nothing. I'm seeing some purple for my purple sisters. The color purple? We come to God with that kind of power that He is that creative. Okay, that's not enough. Here's the kind of power that we come to God with. His Word tells us this, that it was the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave and that that same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has been given to each and every one of us who have called upon the name of Christ. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have that kind of power within us. We have that kind of power that would drive the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3 to say these words, now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask. Did you hear that? Not just what we ask, but far more abundantly than we ask. Or think according to the, what? Power at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever Amen. Oftentimes, church, our prayers are just so weak and powerless, and we have a powerful, all-sufficient God on our side for us. We ask in that power that He would work. God, I'm begging of You. I'm waiting expectantly for Your power to move and transform this situation. I was reminded this week of a great Christian man who lived during the 1800s named George Mueller. You have an insert in your bulletin. It talks about his uh, five positions of prayer. I want to share a, so- a short uh, biography of George Mueller. It says this, Rising from a life of sin to become one of the world's most revered Christian evangelists, George Mueller was a true son of God. With nothing but his faith in Jesus Christ, he set upon himself the task of establishing orphanages for providing care and education for thousands of orphans. His initial work with orphans started when he and his wife started taking in orphaned girls into their rented house. Gradually, their work expanded, and soon they were managing three homes, not just for orphaned girls, but also for boys and smaller children. As the population of orphans grew, Neighbors began to complain about the noise, and Mueller decided to establish separate buildings for the orphanages. He had a very deep faith in God, and hear this word, prayed. He prayed to the Almighty to give him the funds for accomplishing this aim. 
Miraculously, he never fell short of funds and or found himself in debt. People always offered him, hear this, unsolicited, unsolicited donations in form of money or in kind, and he and his orphans never felt themselves missing a necessity such as food or clothing. It was the power of Mueller's prayer that stirred God to bring people that would be willing to donate to his cause to minister to these orphans. That he never had to do a fundraising campaign. He merely got on his knees and asked God to provide, and God oftentimes would bring money in the exact amount that he needed. Not only money, but bread. There would be times where they would wake up in the morning with the children, they would gather around the table, they had no food, and they would pray that God would provide, and lo and behold, someone would knock on a door. There's a story of a baker coming, right as they said amen, knocking on the door with bags full of bread for the children. He was a devout Christian. He, read, he frequently read the Bible and encouraged his children to do so. He was a preacher by profession and traveled all over the world during the course of his missionary tours. He is said to have reached 10,000 children through his orphanages. Never had to do a campaign for money. He prayed and God provided. I can say he was persistent and he, was, he had an expectant heart. God, I expect that you're going to move because this is in accordance with your, your... Your word says that we should care for orphans. God, would you move? All funded by donations that God provided unsolicited, that is not asked for, but merely asked of God on his knees in prayer. And stemming from that power, we learn to praise God. Would we see God move? We praise Him. What a joyous day it was when that woman's husband darkened the door and came in and gave his life to Christ. You want to talk about a celebration? Can you imagine the celebration in heaven? Psalm 51, 15. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Oh, that North Bullet Christian Church would be a place of powerful prayer. That we would be known as prayer warriors, each and every one of us. That God would move and we would receive the benefit of incredible growth. If we would only engage in the powerful means of grace. Hear this, Jesus died that you may have this kind of relationship with His Father that you could come to God as a child at three in the morning asking for a glass of water. We have that kind of access to God. As the band comes forward, I want to urge you this week, I've been giving out some homework each and every